Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Workers must make 40 years of social insurance contributions to get a full state pension and a new plan. Uh, This is according to the government. And a draft commission on pensions report recommends that an interim way of calculating the payment should now become the definitive method. It says this should mean that 40 years or 2,040 contributions are required at a state pension age to qualify for a maximum rate pension. However, it allows for periods of periods of credited contributions. In other words, if you're a stay-at-home mum or dad, for example, that you can apply then for what they call credits. In other words, if you're at home and instead of actually getting a payment of social welfare, you can go down to your social welfare officer, into your office, and say, listen, I'm currently at home looking after the kids or I'm caring for somebody. Can I get a credit instead of a payment? In other words, and that calculates as well. But that would be a limited time, by the way. You can't do that forever. A draft executive summary of the report that uh, that has not been yet published recommends that a full transition to this method of assessing entitlements known as the total contributions approach should be implemented as soon as possible pending legislation and IT system changes. Under current arrangements, people can qualify for a full pension after 10 years. The amount they get is based on the average year contributions. For those better off with current uh, with the current method, the report endorses a phased transition over 10 years and it notes that since 2019 both calculating methods calculation methods have become available and uh, the better rate of the two is actually paid. I suppose I want to know today if you're on a pension has anybody got a pension? It's easy if I suppose if you're in the public sector because most people in the public sector do have a pension but those in the private sector most likely don't. To speak to me a bit more about this is Carl Dieter, who's a financial advisor and an expert when it comes to all this. Carl, this new method of, you know, getting a full state <coughs> pension, this new plan by the government, is it going to work or is it riddled with flaws? Um, well, it, it, it's, it's deeply unfair to the generation that will have to deal with it because previous generations had to make about 10 years worth of PRSI contributions and now you'll have to make four times that amount. And it's basically what I would describe as the biggest admission of a failed system that we've had since the, the, the concept of state pensions came about. Uh, the reason for that, okay, is, is that it really tells you loud and clear that by making such a, uh, a harsh change that the system is not self-sustaining and it has huge issues. If you've got to do something that drastic to make it work, then it has failed. And so are we essentially saying by 2060, we, we don't have enough money to pay pensions, so we're going to make a radical change whereby you had to have been working since the age of 25 to 65 to actually get a state pension. In other yeah. words, we don't have enough money. That's the bottom line. We, we, we don't. And, and, and that's the thing. is, is that we're having, What we have is a, a lowering dependency ratio. In other words, the number of uh, people working versus the number of pensioners is uh, is dropping. So at the moment, say we have about five people working for every pensioner, and in the future that'll be down to about three. And that just means that you know people nowadays are going to have to pay a lot more in tax. They're going to be giving up a lot more of their income to support uh, pensioners. And then not only that, but they'll also be faced with the reality of them of they themselves not qualifying for pensions without putting in a lot more years of labor and a lot more money into the system than previous generations did. And, and there's a, a, a high degree of what you'd call intergenerational inequality in that. Like, it's really deeply unfair that one group gets a, you know, 
a golden plated system and the other ends up with a trash system by comparison. Okay, but have we got a problem whereby there's an inequality? If you work for the state, you automatically have a, you will most likely will have a state pension which is subsidised by the state and contributed to by the state. And some private companies do it. The more modern companies do it, particularly the tech companies, they will, you know, give you a few quid towards your pension as well as you paying it. And obviously it's tax deductible too. Whereas the majority of people in the private sector, your average man working on a construction or a building site or a woman working in an office or whatever it is, you know, they, and maybe I'm stereotyping there, sorry, I'll do it the other way around, but they won't have, you know, this pension because generally speaking, they don't have a pension because it's too expensive. Yeah, your, your average private pension is in or around €100,000 at retirement, okay? And the average public sector worker has a, a, a retirement benefit that's worth about a million euro. So there really is not a comparable um, space between public and private pensions. And the fact that that, that, that is allowed to continue is within itself quite a tragedy um, because, you know, when you, when you create a protected and gilded class at the expense of other people, uh, that's wrong. And people say, well, you know, we, we pay for our pensions. The public sector, no matter how much they pay, never truly pay for their pensions given the size of the benefit that they receive from it. So it, it, it's a really imbalanced conversation and it's full of a lot of intricacies. And usually the only people who know how to argue this are economists or trade union representatives. And they, they make it out as if, oh, you know, it's not that bad. It actually is. And, and the waste on the system of public service pensions is absolutely massive. We should just say everybody's on the same thing put some money into the NTMA, they invested in either housing or whatever. You know, you, you could match up all so that. You, so what you're saying to me is is that we should have a system whereby your PRSI, which was originally what it was meant to be for, uh, for health and uh, pension contributions and all that kind of stuff. So your PRSI payment, let's increase it by a certain amount, but guarantee you a good state pension when you retire. Is that what you're saying? Well, well this is the thing, you see. The whole area of guarantees then comes with additional problems, and that's what I'm trying to say, is, is, is it gets very complicated very fast. Because, for instance, the entire of the civil and public service pensions are guaranteed, but they're paid for out of current income. In other words, we don't have the money there for those pensions to be paid. We pay for them out of the tax take of every year, and that's why the more people we have living longer, the, the, the more desperate that situation gets, in particular, as you have fewer workers coming up through the ranks to, to pay and replace those uh, mm-hmm. workers, and yet you've got more pensioners. So either people have to die more rapidly, which no one seems to be in favor of, and I get that, or we have to reform the system. But reforming the system shouldn't only come at the expense of people who are already not in the gilded class that the public sector are in. And this isn't public sector bashing. This is just a simple acknowledgement of the reality of the mathematics that goes into how these things are, are, are figured out. And So what's and, the uh, answer? What the most, well, then, you're telling me all the problems, and I agree with you. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, all the I'm problems. telling you the answer, too. The, the answer is just to make a universal system where everyone is treated the same. So in, in other words, no matter where you work, be you a school teacher, a guard on a construction site, working in a radio station, wherever you have, or be it a financial advisor, wherever you happen to work, everybody pays X amount of money or percentage of their money per week out of their salaries and everybody gets treated the same at the end of the No, 65. and that goes into your own personal account so that you're not relying on the rest of the taxpaying world. Uh, in order to support you. you yeah, but some people are on very low salary. I mean, you take okay. people in retail or, or hospitality who are, might be on a minimum wage, they're not going to be paying anything, and they, they can't afford to pay it. Well, 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 they actually can't afford to pay because they can't afford to not pay and, and not stand on their own two feet. I mean, if you're saying that for some reason we now have 
you know, even with people who are working, a duty of care to, to give them a, a greater level of benefit that they wouldn't buy themselves or want to afford. That's a bit of a weird proposition to me. Now, some people will say, well, that's how it should be. That's just my view. Okay, fine. You can say whatever you want. But the, in my mind, the, the situation should be as follows. Okay, well, well no, no, before you get as follows, before you get to that. So let's take Johnny, who's a school teacher, and he's earning, I don't know, 45, 50 grand a year, okay? And then you have Mary or Johnny who works uh, in, you know, a supermarket and mm-hmm. is earning, you know, 19 or 20,000 a year. Are you telling me that it's fair to turn around and say, well, Johnny, the school teacher, if you pay 30 quid a week and, you know, take 30 quid a week off, off the person working in the supermarket, but one can afford it and one can't. No, well, you see, you do it based on a percentage. So you say to the person, look, we take, you know, 10% of whatever that is and that goes into your account that's tied to just you. Yeah but, yeah, but they're not going to get the same amount of money when they're 65. Put away more. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But they're not going to get the same amount of pension uh, when they're 65. Well, they didn't pay in the same amount. They didn't do the same job. I mean, I, I like... But well, then there's still an inequality, isn't there? Yeah, that's called the inequality of reality. I don't think many people debate that. Like, there's an inequality when you're talking to me, you're probably paid more than, you know, the person who cleans for FM. And, and, and I don't describe that as an inequality. You do different jobs, different things, and you're paid accordingly. But do I deserve to get a better pension than the person who cleans the radio station? I don't believe I do. I believe I believe you know when we we, we all retire. No, no, you don't agree with me. But I believe we all deserve to be treated the same way and and get the same amount of money as a, in a pension. Let, let's just go back to my example. Unless you have a private pension, by the way. Let, no, that's what I'm saying. It, sh- it should operate basically as if it's a giant private system that it's you know you pay in your amount and at the end. Uh, we could use the money that goes in to invest in infrastructure and housing and all sorts of things and give people some kind of guaranteed return. But the more you pay in, the bigger your pension pot. The less you pay in, the smaller your pension pot. And maybe have some kind of system for the many people in the world who either can't, I mean, they, they could be incapacitated or something, or there's also a group of people who are just useless and they never do anything right. And, you know, we still have a, a moral duty to try and make sure that they don't... Yeah, and what property. happens to them? What happens to the, the 5 or 6% who will probably never work in their lives? Uh, or, as we Be- talked because about... Because they choose not to or well, because they can't? Well there, well, can't? well, there are people who choose not to and there are people who can't. Now, the people who can't due to disability, I'm not including that that percentage because there is a percentage of people, even when we have full employment, who will never work. And so do they end up then with nothing when they're 65? What about people who can't work due to the fact that maybe they're a single parent? We, we, uh, we already have a system of, um, of, of kind of means-tested benefits for, for those situations. And I would just continue that. So, so in other words, if I'm a single parent and I can't work due to the fact that I have three children and it's really difficult for me to get out to work or I can only take a part-time job, you believe the state should then subsidise that, that pension? I, I think there's an argument for that, although obviously, you know, when it gets into elements of why people can't work, I would also say that there's lots of people who have three kids and do work. So, I mean, I, I don't think by virtue mm. of having children means that you're incapacitated. In fact, you can't really raise three kids if that's the case because it is such a big job to undertake. Okay, um, okay, getting back to this draft commission on pensions report. So this, I, I know Leo Varadkar was the one who kind of said it this morning about it having to work for 40 years. You believe that basically this is the government's underhanded way of saying we don't have enough money in 40 years' time to pay well, pensions. Look, so you're going to have to pay really for it yourself. Clear. The government don't have to work for 40 years to get their pension. No, they don't. You Five get full, years. You get, full, you get full, absolutely highest state pension in the country because it's accrued at twice the rate of everyone else who works for the state when you're a politician. 
So, I mean, if you want to talk about the... No, you have to do one term of office and you're guaranteed a pension. Yeah, but one rule for them, one rule for us type stuff. I mean, they, they're the master class of that kind of stuff. They don't ever seem to have to face the reality of many of the, the rules which are, are brought in uh, with, with their, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pen and paper. But if you're making people work four times as long in order to get the same as what you'd get today, and there's loads of people who After are going to retire years. on today's deal, well then, you know, you'd have to ask yourself, why are they doing that? It's because the system is broken. It's not going to work. Well, where's the money gone? I mean, there was a point there back in 2008. Well, in 2008, seemingly, we had 16 billion sitting in a pension fund somewhere back in 2008. Look, look, the National Pension Reserve Fund has always been like, it's always been there to just, for someone to come up with a hobby horse level of expenditure to do whatever they feel is is good on the day. We don't have the money in general because all of this is uh, funded by current taxation versus current expenditure. In other words, you take the money in today and you spend that money today. So when you talk about like most of the pensions out there when it comes to the state doing them, it's not like they have a a, a pot of cash and that's what they're relying on. They're not. They're simply using the money that comes in today. And the reason they have to make the situation worse and worse or, or charge people more PRSI or do something is because that money is not going to be there in the future. And because of that, it's got to change. Okay, I have a couple of questions here for you, Carl, that you might know the answers to them. People are sending them in. Okay, well, I, I have a... Pe- I'm not me, person. People are sending these questions in to you. I have a pension maturing in February. I'll be 50. What percentage of it will I pay in tax? You pay tax at, uh, at whatever your income tax rate is. So you'll get a certain amount. If, you, if you're, you know, typically pensions have a certain amount, you can get tax-free. Depending on the type of pension you're in, that could be, you know, a, a certain multiplier of income or a certain amount of fund. And then after that, uh, pension income is treated as income. It's important to remember you do get tax relief on pension um, contributions, and that's something that it should continue. It's a great idea, and it works well, and it even helps you know people on whatever tax rate they're on. But it doesn't mean it's tax free forever, so you you will have to pay tax when you draw it out. So it's more like deferred taxation. Okay, and the person says I'm 56 and I work in construction. Is it too late to get a private pension? Uh, a lot of people who work in construction would have a CIF pension, and they tend not to be very generous at all. So I would look into seeing if you have anything there, if you have any pensions from previous jobs, if you worked for large construction companies. And, uh, but is it too, is too, it too late at 56? To to, I mean, mm-hmm. look, look at me. I'm 50, 58 next week. Um, is it too late for me to suddenly start paying a pension? Well, it's got to be a lot more expensive, obviously. No, it just means that, like, what it means is if you... I'll put it this way. It's like running a race. And if you give yourself 10 minutes to run a mile or you give yourself two minutes to run a mile, there's a big difference in the speed in which you've got to do that. So funding for a pension when you are uh, closer to retirement age, obviously you've got to put aside bigger amounts of your income in order to do that. Uh, now, a lot of people in construction also have like kind of a, a, a non-pension pension. So construction people quite often buy property and they because they can do them up and stuff. So like sometimes people and have it is continue. just to remind me, but it is tax deductible, of course. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, somebody else says I'm a 27 year old nurse working in a private hospital. I haven't paid into a private pension fund yet, as I don't think I'll be in the job long term. My goal is to rejoin the HSE within the next two years. Should I start paying in now, or is there any point? Well, they could uh, start a thing called a uh, personal retirement savings account, which is a very low cost, kind of simple, cheap, and cheerful pension and you can take that with you wherever you go to different jobs because if you join the HSE decide you know did they say rejoin the HSE or to just join mm-hmm. rejoin it 
Yeah, you'll you'll get your pension when you when you. Oh no, I, I don't know if this person worked in the HSE before. Like, if I, if they're rejoining, then they already have a benefit, and you know they could go back in and, and, and do it again. But if they joined, didn't like it, and left, that PRSA would still be there. And then they may also want to use a, a certain thing called an additional voluntary contribution if they join and they want to try and like you know buy back years. Yeah. So basically, it's it's not a mistake to fund for your own retirement unless you know that you're you're going to die before retirement age. Uh, in which case, you know, you're facing a different set of circumstances. In other words, how can I find out how many contributions I've actually made to date? You just contact your, uh, your 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 local tax office. You can find that on revenue.ie. They'll explain it to you. Okay, so there's you... different rules as well for people who like worked 20 years ago and things like that, or if you were a home carer. So there's a there's a host of complexity around this, which I think you need to. Well, there was a whole issue. Remember. There was a whole issue around women, of course, who gave up work to look after their children. Um, you know, who left a job to give up after after children, particularly those who worked, you know, the civil service, as it was called at the time, the public sector, and not being entitled to a pension. There's a whole argument in, re- in relation to that. Do you believe those people should be entitled to a pension? As, yeah, well, well, I mean, a contribution pension. If, if, if you if you think for a minute that I'm going to discount the work of the many mothers and and in in a minority of cases, fathers who who, who don't work in order to to raise families, is anything other than stellar. Uh, you're barking up the wrong tree on that. Mm. I absolutely think that we should uh, we should take care of people who who put their their life work into raising the children in this country. Um, and in that sense, then that would be one of those things where we have to to figure out a plan that's fair in that case. Yeah, you know that obviously wouldn't be in my scenario of how I think it should work. Uh, people who would be excluded. So the answer here. I paid into a pension going back twenty years ago for five years. There's four and a half thousand euro in the pension. Um, can I? I'm not 65 yet. I'm only 61. Can I now uh, cash that pension in because I could do with the money? Uh, okay, so if the pension is worth. You, you're saying uh, five grand. So can he cash it in now, or does he have to wait till 65? Talk to a financial advisor because there's there's certain things about uh, pensions and transfers, and also there can be health issues there where you know someone has to retire at 61, and they're saying that they they need to. There there could be things around that which are more complex than I can answer you on this call. Okay, and usually when you do cash it in, you probably get less money anyway, don't you? you well, you'll, you'll be taxed as well. Like I said, it's deferred taxation. It's not, it's not like you never pay tax. Okay, so once you go over the age of 65, that taxation is less, obviously. You don't have to pay as much tax. No, what happens is, is once you go over 65, if you stop earning, you're, you're taxed on your pension benefits. So like I said, you'll have a certain multiple of income or a certain fund threshold. There's different things where you get a tax-free zone. And then say if you were making 60,000 a year and your pension affords you 20,000 a year, well, you're not earning the 60 anymore to stop work and so you're taxed on what someone ta- gets taxed at when you're making 20 grand. There's also some different things that they mm-hmm. give you benefits on for, you know, um, certain amounts of deposit interest and other stuff for, for people who are older. But in general, it's like this. You always pay tax and it's based on how much you make. When you make pensions, pension income, it tends to be less than you made while you were uh, working and for that reason you pay less tax. In relation to other countries, how are we, I mean, are we comparable to other countries when it comes to, you know, pension and people investing in their own lives and their own retirement? I mean, do we do well or do we fall short in comparison to other European countries? Well, we wouldn't be as bad as the likes of the Greeks who uh, made an art form out of mm-hmm. abusing their own system. And we saw that where that got them. But, um, you know, I, I think the biggest difference here is, and certainly if you look at Nordic countries, is we make a career out of ensuring that certain people basically pay no tax other than, say, VAT, which is a consumption tax. Um, 
we make a career out of making sure certain people pay tax and that other people pay loads. And so like the top kind of 20% of earners in this country pay well over half of the tax that we collect. And that's a huge policy mistake. Whereas in, you'll see in Nordic countries, even if you're only earning 12000 a year, you still pay tax because you're a beneficiary of the tax system. You're more likely to be receiving benefits of different types. And so they really make sure that the people who are receiving benefits are also contributing. Ireland, but but does not come back way. to does not come back to what Lucinda Creighton was saying going back a few years ago with the original Renewal Party, and also Michael O'Leary mentioned at one stage that we need to reform the whole tax system. Where and they suggested at the time, or Michael O'Leary certainly suggested that everybody in the country pays ten percent of everything they get. In other words, get rid of tax credits, get rid of this idea of you know a tax free allowance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. and just everybody in the country pays ten percent of everything they get. Would that be yeah. a fairer system? Well, it would certainly be more proportionate. You see, it depends on what you believe. Some people, there's this idea called progressive taxation, and by the name on it, you're meant to believe, okay, that therefore must be wonderful. But progressive taxation means that, say, up to 20,000, you pay zero. Above 20,000, you might pay 20%, and then above, say, 36,000, you're paying 40% of everything you earn. So the more you earn, the more tax you pay. And it's even worse if you if you make that money as a self-employed person, because they, they change certain aspects of how that's done. Uh, and then there's this idea of proportionate taxation, which says, you know, if you earn 10 euro, you should pay euro, and if I earn 100 euro, I should pay 10. And that strikes me as far more balanced because it's proportionate. But in this country, we only have a one-way system of saying, no, it has to be progressive. Well, it's a time that we reformed that whole... The, the system we have is, is years old, for God's sake. Well, so, no, it's, all, it's always time, but there's too many noses in the trough at this stage, and there's too many, you know, vested interest and grievance industry experts who will tell you that the whole system falls apart if anyone, God forbid, has to stand on their own two feet. So in that sense... It's never going to happen in Ireland. It's more of a theoretical conversation because we lack the actual capacity, spine and balls to do anything right in this country. Oh, by the way, somebody mentions as well, uh, you find your contributions by contracting the Department of Social Protection, not the revenue. Uh, they're probably right in relation to that, actually. They're, they're, they are, actually, on oh, that yeah. one. Sorry, I was thinking about your, uh, your, 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 your tax. <laughs> I probably should correct you on that. Okay. Somebody says, I'm in, I'm in public service teaching and 32 years. I'm wondering if it would be a fair idea to also invest in a private pension in case the state tried to, ma- to take from it uh, as some years ago. Uh, will it go against me having two pensions when I go to draw down on the public pension? Any loopholes around this? <laughs> on that one, you need to, to get a financial advisor and kind of determine when you're expecting to retire and what your benefits are. I mean, because if you're going to do a full service in the public sector and get a full public ser- sector pension, then you should be in pretty good shape. Uh, if you have any concerns around that, look up um, finan- or financial brokers. There's a website for that. It has all the various independent advisors around the country. Pick someone in your area and chat to them. Yeah, but if you if you do have two pensions when you do retire, you probably are going to get taxed, aren't you? But Niall, that's like saying if I earn twenty euro instead of ten, do I pay more tax? <laughs> and, and the answer is yes. But that's because. But is there any? But is there any loopholes he wants to know? I mean, clearly what he's he's alluding to here is there any ways yeah. of doing it without getting screwed for tax? Well, the whole, the whole pension contribution system is effectively a loophole of sorts. It's called tax expenditure because you don't pay tax when you put money into it. So if you are earning a hundred euro, and you should pay forty euro on tax if you get that in your wages, but instead you you pay that money into a pension, then you don't pay that 40 euro in income tax. So you're saving money. The entire pension system is a giant loophole and it's a good one and a valid one and people should use it. All right. Listen, Carl, thank you very much indeed and I appreciate you coming on the air today. Carl Dieter, financial advisor, as well as many other things as well. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.